2: Was that a go? I thought you were scratching your nose. It was like both. (laughs) My nose itched and I was telling you to go. Uh, All right. In three, two, one. All right. We're calling this bonus time on the Ben Jarofsky Show. We've cleared out the studio. The guests who were on the show, uh, our Friday show, Kelly Cassidy and Emily Miller, are long on their way home right now and in the studio in their very seats are Mark Brown and Lauren Fitzpatrick, uh, writers for the Chicago Sun-Times. And they were two of the four uh, Sun-Times writers who did an excellent job profiling the two mayoral candidates, um, Lori Lightfoot and um, uh, Tony Perkwinkle. I've been talking all and all and all for days, Mark Brown and and, uh, Lauren Fitzpatrick, about the... Uh, the politics of this race, about the policies of these candidates, about what their platforms are, how they duck and dodge issues, how they're trying to avoid controversial topics. Mark Brown, you know, they ducking and dodge on way, how much they're going to raise taxes and what their rates are going to be and whether they're going to keep this police chief or that school board chief, et cetera, et cetera. What you guys did uh, for the Chicago Sun-Times, and it's online right now and you can read it in your newspaper. If you're an old school person like myself, you get the daily newspaper on Sunday. What you did, Mark Brown, uh, was to take a deep dive into the people themselves, profiles of the two candidates. Before we get started in uh, talking about the, um, the you know, the, some of the, the things about the that you learned from doing your story, Mark, why don't you talk about the prospect, uh, or excuse me, the process of putting the story together.
0: Well, you know, uh as you know, Tony Preckwinkle's a person that's uh, been in the uh, public sphere uh, as an elected official for 27 years, you know, we tend to think, "Oh, we know all there is about these people." But as 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 they go higher, reach for a higher office, uh, you you look a little closer, right? Uh, until like somebody runs for president, right, and and, and you, uh, you you know you're checking their underwear size, so. <laughs> Uh, so we decided to, you know, to, to you know, review, and we, uh, you know, obviously we interviewed Tony Prequinkle. In my case, uh, we had a short interview, but uh, we uh, we we dug through uh, 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 other interviews that have been done, including uh, quite a good one by you and Mick Dumpkey and uh, the History Makers Project, which uh, has uh, some amazing uh, oral histories uh, available uh, from political leaders across the country and including here in Chicago and obviously interviewed a lot of her friends and uh, enemies and people who've worked for her who uh, m- might fall in neither category. and uh, and we added a hit the total button and Trish tried to tell people a little something new that maybe they don't know about these candidates.
2: Now Mark I've interviewed Tony Pericogl many times over the years and I've always and this is me speaking for myself here uh, it's A lot of times it's difficult to get her to answer a question, no matter how pointed the question is, no matter how directly you ask it, how specific you are. I think I saw a little bit of that last night with Phil Ponce in the debate. Uh, Did you discover when you were talking about her background with her her personal things that she was willing more uh, a little more willing to open up?
0: Oh, no. Oh, no. No, I I think she's she's less willing to open up. Uh, Uh, You know, I mean, one of the. One of the tricky things I ask her about is, uh, you know, she 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 got a divorce here after forty-four years of marriage uh, f- five years ago now, right? And I, I gotta believe that's a pretty big event in her life, considering the fact that her husband uh, moved to Philippines and has a whole nother family. Uh, you know, that's I would like to know about that, but I, she cut the line, and I understand that. That's you know, she's she is a private person, and and. Uh, I don't think she she likes uh, to pull back the curtain much. All right, uh, Lauren Fitzpatrick, you were a part of the team uh, with Neil
2: Steinberg, correct? Yes. Uh, that profiled uh, Lori Lightfoot. What was it like uh, getting Lori Lightfoot to talk about her past?
1: Um, it wasn't that hard. Uh, we had an hour. We were really lucky to have an hour. It's the second time I've interviewed her, and that was an hour too. So. Um, Lori Lightfoot, if you're listening, we we appreciate this access and hope it won't go away anytime <laughs> soon.
2: Lauren, speaking of behalf of por- reporters throughout the city of Chicago right now.
1: Um, I'd like to think we were pretty well prepared. I mean, doing a profile, you know pulling together a life of someone, especially someone like Lori Lightfoot, who's sort of been in the public eye for the last, however many years. But hasn't been quote unquote scrutined for real because she hadn't sought elected office before. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's just really fun. It's really fun. So we went through her speeches. We pulled some clips off of YouTube. Um, Neil went on theclassmates.com and found her high school yearbooks, which were full of all, you know all the things she had done as a young woman. Um, you know, her student council presidency three years in a row. Um, the fact that she played um, on the basketball team as a point guard, she was on that for, you know, most of high school, too, and in the band, and um, as and, and, and she said in her interview, she was like, you know, back in high school, I was kind of like Miss Everything, which was a great moment to bring up the fact that the one thing she wasn't was um, she was not Miss Macedonian which was um, the pageant that her high school had.
2: Massillon in Ohio.
1: From Massillon, Ohio, yeah, yeah, that's where she's from, about an hour um, south of Cleveland in Ohio. And um, I think of Lori Lightfoot in person. I had thought of her as just a very measured, kind of tough, no-nonsense, all-business prosecutor. And when we pointed out that she hadn't won this pageant, man, it, it rankled her. Yeah. It was the first show of emotion <laughs> I had seen from her that um, it really stung all these years later.
2: Now, Lauren, did you interview her face-to-face? Were you in the same room with her? When we you were, were you, were, yes. were you at her uh, an office, at her house? Where was the interview um, taking place?
1: We went to her campaign headquarters, and they had us in a very tiny little room, which happened to be extraordinarily hot. Um, she kept us waiting about half an hour. Mm-hmm. But then, you know what? Once she came in the room, I mean... She answered all the questions, there were no problems. Um, and there were a few like sensitive things we wanted to bring up. I mean, she's mentioned a few times in public that she has this brother who has been through the criminal justice system. He spent most of his adult life in prison. And so in piecing like, the timeline of her life together, we noticed that um, his federal drug case that he faced in the late 90s coincided like almost perfectly with her early years in the, um, uh, the US Attorney's Office. So we asked her about that, oh, yeah. and, and, and this was a surprise. Um, her response was, well, not only did they line up, but it, it goes even farther than that. You know," She said, I put away criminals who ended up in the prison where they had already sent my brother. Wow! With the super unusual last name to begin yeah. with.
2: So everybody would know.
1: So everybody could know
2: wow yeah. is there is there anything remotely like that mark brown in tony preckwinkle's life where uh there's somebody in her family that
0: went in a totally different path than she went yeah i i i don't know i didn't uh i did not uh go in that direction i don't think there's uh a a anything quite corollary to mm-hmm. that maybe there's a and uh, maybe a, a, a family member had, a little, had some brushes with the law, but nothing like that.
2: Nothing like that. Well, Lauren mentioned, started talking about uh, Lori's high school years. We'll get into more of that. Uh, Lauren, I'm going to make go, go through these pictures are pretty classic that you gave me. Uh, Tony, I just read in your story, Mark, uh, is the class of 65, I believe. It's 1965. I think that's what it said. From uh, Saint Paul, uh, Minnesota, and there's a book out. I, I mentioned is the whatever happened to the class of '65? Sort of a pivotal year. Uh, it's when, um, in the next four years, kids would join the counterculture, protest against the war. Uh, there was a book that came out uh, in the uh, 70s about it. does does Tony Preckwinkle is she particularly rooted uh, when you talk to her about her past in like the 60s or the 70s? Does she have an identity that's shaped by events that happened at that time?
0: No <laughs> um, uh, interesting interesting to me at least uh, I mean she was politically engaged early on. there was a there was a Uh, a a city council race in St. Paul her hometown where uh, there was an African-American woman trying to become the first uh, city council member up African-American city council member up there Uh, Tony volunteered and worked on the campaign the candidate lost Uh, and then but when she hit University of Chicago she, again, got involved in politics, but it was, it was mostly along the traditional lines. She uh, worked for Humphrey. Wow, uh, Hubert Humphrey. Mm-hmm. And I guess Paul Simon ran for lieutenant governor that year. She says she worked, uh, she volunteered for, that's 68. Now, that's the same year as the convention. Uh, uh, the history makers uh, asked her uh, if she'd gone downtown to participate in the protest and she said well out of loyalty to Humphrey uh, her home state United States Senator and the presidential candidate and uh, not wanting to get her head beat in she did not so uh, and I, I found no other trace of her you know participating in that Sort of a protest. Did she
2: make any kind of comments or about uh, old man Daly, Mayor Richard uh, J. Daly, who would have been the mayor of the city of Chicago for our younger listeners? That's the daddy of the 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 mayor who was mayor in the '90s and the O's. Uh, did she make any mention about she, the impact that Daly had on her? Uh, at she all?
0: she she did not. Now, uh, I mean, I, what uh, what I found incredibly interesting along those lines is that she did her master's thesis as a graduate student at the University of Chicago about Congressman William Dawson, who of course was the, uh, the essential element of Richard J. Daly's machine in that he's the guy that provided uh, the black votes. For daily. And so yes, for daily and for for all of them really, right? All, for the for the for the organization, and you know, it was a cr- tremendously powerful uh, congressman, one of only two African American congressmen uh, in the in the whole United States at the time, and uh, and she, uh, I, I sort of see that this is, might be where she developed her fatal attraction with the Democratic m- machine, you know, which. Obviously that's that's a bit of a problem for her right now right and uh, in the process of doing this project, one of the most helpful people she went to see was a guy named John Stroger, mm. who as we know was building his own little machine at yeah. the time and stroger as if I'm sure you remember was he was a very nice man yeah. right I mean well. may have we may have all had his had our opinions about his politics and but uh, he was just a very nice man and he gave her an hour of his time you know she just some kid coming in off the street uh and uh he gave her a list of everybody else she should go talk to and he and he said well you know tell him I sent you right yeah so and so you know she, she's got this she tells me shes still got this box of tapes at home with all of her interviews of those guys about that so that would be i would love to get that someday
2: mark i cannot rewrite history I was a big fan of John Stroger. I'm just gonna Put that out there. I voted for him when he was in the coma against Flores. <laughs> I just admit that right now, okay? And uh, But the further irony that uh, you mentioned Stroger, of course, Tony Preckwinkle was elevated to the county board by running against baby Stroger, Todd Stroger, the son of John Stroger. And she effectively used the backlash that's uh, to the, uh, the machinations that the Democrats went to replace John with Todd. Uh, to get elevated, some yeah, irony there.
0: And well, and there's a, there's a further irony that that I learned in the process of doing this, was, you know, uh, Tony ran three times against Tim Evans uh, before she finally beat him. Uh, 83, 87, 91. Uh, 83 and 87, uh, Tim Evans uh, is Harold Washington's guy, and she protected him. I mean, he protected Evans. Well, in 91, Harold's dead... Uh, The machine is mad at Tim Evans because they cost him Gene Sawyer's job. And what happens? But Tony goes to Stroger and asks him for help. And he sends over Orlando Jones to help with the campaign. Now, this is per Todd Stroger, who, as we know, is now backing Tony Preckwinkle. So it's not like he's telling a story to hurt her. I mean, he says that this is – that's how it happens. Wow. And now Tony – now Tony's running, and you see – that. That she uh, got into politics by beating the machine. She got into politics by beating Tim Evans, who really, you know, he was a machine product like Harold Washington was, but at that time he was the anti machine.
2: Mark, I know we're in danger of getting way too geeky, but I'm <laughs> Come really on, getting we're geeks, excited. Dude. I know we're a t- couple of geeks, so just, f- I'm going to. F- this is a very important point. Uh, any students of history should pick up on what Mark Brown just said. Tony Preckwinkle has uh, proclaimed that she is an independent at heart and uh, she rebelled against the machine. But what you're saying is the pivotal, the pivotal contribution that enabled her to defeat Tim Evans in 1991 and effectively launch her career came from the Stroger family.
0: Well, it, it certainly. I I, I can't. Go back in time to know if it was pivotal or not, but uh, it it had to be a big help. And, you know, it was reaching out to the machine. Um, I think if you look at Tony's career, she is an independent. She does come out of Hyde Park independent politics. But at moments, she will make her alliances. You know, this is how she gets over the top. She cuts the deal when she has to. All right, we're going to go
2: back to Lauren Fitzpatrick, who did the Lori Lightfoot mm-hmm. uh, profile. Now, going back, let's start going back to high school for Lori Lightfoot. Again, uh, Mark was just saying that uh, Tony, uh, Tony Perkwinkle moved to Chicago to go to college, and that's how she got her start uh, in Chicago. Lori Lightfoot is also uh, from outside of Chicago. She's from Ohio. What kind of kid was Lori Lightfoot uh, back uh, in high school?
1: Um, you know, based on her yearbook and um, a really lengthy conversation with her mom, um, she was super involved. Uh, really bright, um, very driven, worked hard, played the trumpet. You know, edited the yearbook. She was she was kind of a joiner. Um, you know, her her index in the yearbook is like a couple lines long because of all the different things she was involved. Oh, the the Latin Club. Um, the basketball <laughs> the team. Club. Of course, she was in the Latin Club. Uh, some, some wonderful people, Ben, have been in the Latin uh, Club. Were you in the Latin Club? I was club? totally in the Latin okay, Club. I didn't oh, yeah. Mean the Latin. <laughs> oh, yeah.
2: Hey, man, I was in the White Sox Fan Club, okay? <laughs> <laughs> so I got nothing in the Latin Club. Uh, I, I, I love all Latin Club members out there, right? I'm not making fun of the Latin Club. Uh, I did not know she played the trumpet. Was she in the marching band?
1: So. The town that she comes out of, Massillon, Ohio, and you're, you guys are going to have to help me with the football, but apparently football there is a super big deal to everybody <laughs> yeah. who's there. Ohio,
2: f- high school football is big time, Lauren. So but.
1: then also they have a super awesome marching band um, that plays at the football games, and then it, it added in like a swing element before Lori Lightfoot's time, but it kept it. Um, So, yeah, so she played trumpet in the marching band.
2: All right, Lauren Fitzpatrick, a huge football fan. We're going to have a little Bears talk before this show is over. Uh, There's picture, which I just think are so classic. Uh, Lauren was so kind to bring some photos. I'm going to show them to all our listeners. Um, This one here... uh, a young uh, <laughs> Lori Lifewood playing basketball, looks like she just followed this girl to steal the ball. Uh, she played guard on the basketball team.
1: She, she was a point guard. The yearbook erroneously labeled her as a center.
0: <laughs> that Man, was Lauren- I got some issues. <laughs> Lori- this caused a lot of consternation from this reporter when Lauren's telling me that she was the center. I was having oh a hard time God. with that. But again, I mean, there was yeah. our opening
1: line in the interview, so... You played center on the the basketball team in oh. high school. And she corrected us and said, no, it, yeah. was, it was point guard. You know what's funny?
2: Yeah. Yesterday in the debate, poor uh, Phil Ponce kept mixing up one with the other. I don't know if you saw that. He, and I was, like, yelling, at it: the tall one is Tony and the short one is Lori. And so, if anybody knows anything about basketball, the point guard is usually the shortest person on the court in the center. Anyway, all right, enough sports stuff. Mm. They get mad at me when I talk sports, Lauren.
1: But, but I want to say, like, in, in kind of comparing notes, like – these ladies have a couple little like oddball things in. Co- I mean, they've got some significant things in common too. The University of Chicago, um, you know, the what their their intelligence here, their qualifications, their tough reputations, um, the fact that they don't show a lot of emotion in public. But then also like this goofy little stuff, like they're both one of four children. Both of them went to a Washington high school. Um, both grew up in neighborhoods that weren't the predominantly black neighborhoods of the cities where they grew up. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: uh, know,
1: what am I forgetting?
0: Uh, I'm trying to remember. They,
2: uh, and they each oh, had I, they're black uh, women with uh, white spouses.
1: Yes.
0: And they each have this this slight that they're still carrying around with them from high school. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lauren already mentioned uh, Lori's uh, Miss Massillon uh uh, Miss Massalonian. Um, excuse me. It uh, goes on Tony to this day. says Tony says that uh, she was, uh, vo- uh, and this is in the yearbook. It shows she was voted most intelligent member of her senior class. Yeah. But Tony says she was also voted the best athlete, uh, and that they didn't give her the best athlete award because the advisor sa- thought it was unfair to give two honors to one student. And you can tell. When Tony brings it up, that it's still—it's like, it, yeah. like she thinks somebody was playing, you know, yeah. games with her. Well, it isn't fair.
2: I don't. I—I I mean, if you're the best, you're the best, right, Lauren? You are. You know. And as
1: Lori said, I mean, she to this day insists, and as does her mother, that she should have won that Miss Massalonian, <laughs> which included questions such as, Yeah, what would you do to get that new boy at school to ask you out? Ooh. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. So
2: how is she going to answer that question?
1: I, she did not remember. I, I, we asked. But, all right. Asked. Ben, I, since she, I didn't... Oh, sorry. Oh, no, I mean, she specifically said she did not win that pageant because she was black. She had the points and the qualifications to do it, but the idea of the town bestowing this honor that had been a thing since 1940 when Bing Crosby cl- uh, crowned the first one, going to a black girl just would have been too scandalous. Wait,
2: before we go to Mark, Bing Crosby, they're Bengal? Is he from this town (laughs) in Ohio?
1: I'm sorry, I did not look up that fact (laughs) for this purpose today, but he crowned the first Miss Massilonia back in 1940.
2: Did you know that Bing Crosby's nickname was Dare Bingle? (laughs) (laughs) Little things you learned from me. What were you going to say, Mark?
0: I I just felt that since I I didn't uh, call you before I wrote this story, that I should at least publicly acknowledge that the best quote in this story probably is uh, something that I stole from <laughs> you and Mick Dumpke's uh, uh, uh. Uh, a talk show uh, where uh, Tony said that I became a history teacher because I wanted to understand why white people hated us so much. Yeah. And I, I you know, I found that quote a little I found that quote after I'd had my half hour with Tony. <laughs> so I wasn't going to get a chance to yeah. explain what, whether she whether that helped. Uh, what she learned from that. Uh, and unfortunately, you didn't follow up either, dude. So, uh. Uh, no,
2: it's all Mick's fault. I've tried to, but he cut me off. I just made that up. I have no idea. I will say this, Mark. Uh, that was, we do the show at a hideout, a bar. Uh, Lauren has been our guest at least twice uh, at a bar on the um, near, on north side. And uh, the fir- she's, Tony's been our guest twice there. The first time, I forget the date, that's probably the one that you saw, was when we talked to we talk more about uh, her past or background how she got to this position in uh, chicago politics that she had this is before she was running for office and she was uh more expansive uh, the second time was right after she announced she was running for mayor it was october i believe of 2018 and she was basically all talking points it was talking point tony And uh, something I'm sure you're very well aware of, she becomes, gets elected Mayor Lauren Fitzpatrick. You are going to meet Talking Point Tony. And um, so, yeah, I I think that Tony... Prakmiko has a fascinating life and a fascinating background, Mark. But she doesn't always share it with people. That's a good, I guess. That's yes, what I'm that's probably to say. probably true. Uh, and I probably should have followed up. But again, it was probably mixed fault. Um, uh, Lauren, you talked. You said uh, that you had a lot of nice chats doing the story, a lot of interviews uh, with Lori Lightfoot's mother. Talk about that.
1: Yeah, um, it was one long phone call, and then um, a follow up because she thought of something else that she wanted us to be aware of. Um, her mother's name is Anne. She still lives in Maslin, Ohio. Um, she's 90 years old. She says she comes back and forth. You know, she comes back and forth um, to see her daughter and gets visits and all that. Um, I, I don't know. It was just a really, it was one of those conversations that like makes you happy to do this work. Um, we talked about just what her family was like and how she and her husband had gotten to Ohio from um, the South. They came up as part of the Great Migration and what life was like in the home. Um, She explained how, you know, she has four children, but it was sort of two sets of twos, the older two and then the younger two, Um, what her daughter was like as a little girl, um, just very thoughtful. Um, She would go visit, as like a five or or six-year-old little girl, she would go visit her friend's mother because the parents were divorced and there were weekends that the mother would be by herself. And that bothered little Lori Lightfoot, who would then tootle down and, you know, go visit this mom in the apartment. Um, I think the the overarching theme of the conversation was just how resilient she thought her daughter was, how many times she'd bounced back from disappointment, how she was able to cope with, um, you know, the, some of the racism from the town, um, you know, some of the things she hadn't been able to accomplish. Um, it was, it was, it was lovely. I, I appreciated her time very much, and then so then she's telling me, oh, you know, it was getting later in the evening. It was a Friday evening, and um, then she lets me in on well, she was she was cooking dinner. So then we started to talk about what she was cooking for
2: dinner. What was she cooking?
1: She had baked some bread. She had barbecued pork in the oven.
2: Uh
1: huh. <laughs> um, she'd gone to the yeah. store in search of turnip greens, but they didn't have any, so she had to settle for collards. And then, uh, you know, to, to cook the collards and get them just right, you have to take a sharp paring knife and take out that central stem because it's just too tough and it'll wreck your pot of collards. you got to take that out before you cook them. And then she was um, finishing up a sweet potato pie. Oh,
0: man, I love sweet potato right? pie. <laughs> Wait a minute. So uh, so this is the mother's cooking. Yeah. Uh, you yes, know, right. I, I humbled myself by asking uh Preckwinkle a question about her cooking, did yeah. you ask Lightfoot whether she can uh, cook? Yeah. Sadly
1: we talked to Lori before we talked to her mother. I see. So I didn't know because her her mother didn't seem to have too much confidence in her daughter's ability to cook these uh, things. I, I would have, though. I would have.
2: Okay. Uh, so <laughs> a very important follow-up. Maybe you can get uh, Nadia Pearl, the uh, press secretary for uh, Lori Lightfoot, on the phone. Final question uh, I'll put, pose to you, Mark Brown. Uh, having done the research on Tony's background and having read uh, Lauren and uh, Neil's story, I uh, excuse me, having done the, yeah, uh, Lauren and Neil's story about um, uh, Lori. Do you think each candidate is being fair to the other one uh, in the way they depict them during this campaign? Or do you think they're sensationalizing bits and pieces of their biography?
0: Well, they're absolutely sensationalizing bits and pieces of their biography, which is totally fair because it's politics and it's it's all fair. I, I really have been struck, though, this in the process of this and in and uh in thinking about this that you know we we really do have two very highly qualified candidates for mayor and it's a it's a shame that you know that the business of that they're in requires them to savage each other and and it's not it's not just a game they're playing Uh, you know i mean I, I, i i'm quite i mean they there, there is a lot more in similarities about these two than we've even talked about here and I think that but I think it it results they are just they are just oil and water they're just uh, uh, I, I believe that you know right after Tony announced you know she, uh, she uh, invited Lori to come over for a meeting to talk turkey right and uh, uh, it didn't go well and you know within five or ten minutes Lori's out of there and I mean, you know, this is, this is real enmity between the two of them. I, you know, and it's, again, it's a shame because we got a couple of pretty good choices here.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I've, I've, that's how I view it, Lauren. Uh, and in your story, you talk about, uh, uh, and they also in the debate, uh, uh, Lori, Tony asked Lori for a donation, uh, a political donation. Mm-hmm. So this enmity is, has been bred throughout this campaign. It's not something that existed maybe even a year ago.
1: I mean, in 2016, so one of the questions I wanted to answer to was, like, tell me the story of the moment or the thing, Lori Lightfoot, that made you decide, like, you were going to go after Rahm Emanuel's job. Like, not you just, you care about the city or you think we can do better, but, like, what what was the thing that actually pushed you? And she she told a little bit of a, a rambling story. Like, there wasn't an exact moment, but the way that she told it was she decided Rahm had to go. And first thought she needed to find somebody else to do it. And one of the people she wanted to talk to about that, she said, was Tony Preckwinkle. And then in 2016, you know, Preckwinkle called her up and said, hey, can, can you give some money to my Cook County um, campaign fund? And Lori said, sure, and cut her the check for the thousand bucks. So 2016? 2016, I yeah. think. Thing. Wait,
2: so timeouts, so just to make sure I understand this correctly, uh, when Lori came to the conclusion that somebody had to run against Rom, uh that was this go-around, correct? Yes. Okay, yes. all right. Mm-hmm. And then she went, and of course, Ra- Tony was not willing to run uh, while Rom was still in the race. Uh, and that leaves me uh, for this question to you, Mark Brown, f- uh, following up on uh, what Lauren said. Uh, did you get any indi- indi- indication from your research why... Tony did not run in 2014. She was ahead in the polls. She was uh, this when Rahm was about to run for a uh, second term. So many people were begging her, myself included, to run, uh, and she never she didn't run. I've asked her that question many times. So I've never gotten a satisfactory answer. I was just wondering if you got a uh, some sort of theory on this.
0: Well, first of all, you know, let's let's look at what what Tony's for the record explanation is, is which is she had more she needed to do she she had unfinished business at the county which is we can see there's some truth there right they're, i mean they they that's a big job and she had things to uh, she still needed to accomplish there uh it also you know this came at a time right after the uh her divorce and as i've sort of implied there could be extra issues involved there that would be uh, unpleasant to deal with and she was having i think you know there's we we've had a story here recently there's some family issues let's Mm -hmm. just put it that way there were family issues uh i'm led to believe that you know there were discussions and she did not want to have to tangle with Rom under those circumstances, mm-hmm. and I, I, I'm sure that's part of you know. There's, and then there's probably a part three that I don't know
2: about. Mm-hmm. All right, very good. Mark Brown, uh, Lauren Fitzpatrick, uh, thanks so much for making time to come on and talk to us. I urge absolutely everyone uh, to check out these profiles. We're about to elect a new mayor of the city of Chicago. I agree with Mark Brown. Uh, I'm <laughs> That it's a good thing for the city of Chicago. Either candidate wins. I think it's this is me speaking, not Lauren and not Brown. Uh, Mark Brown, this is me speaking. I think it'll be a step up from where we've been for the last 20 odd years. And uh, I think I've learned a lot more about each candidate from your profile so thanks for coming on the show and thanks for doing a great job with those stories you can get it at the chicago sun times website or you can be old school like i am and pick up the newspaper on sunday and read it with your cup of coffee on sunday take care everybody